Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Well, our longtime listeners will certainly recognize that theme song that introduces each of our shows for the past 11 years. I actually wrote that theme song when we first started doing the show, and it's a song I wrote for our son, Brian. And we now use that as the ringtone on our phones so we know when he's calling. We keep getting requests from our listeners to talk about how we create the show, and we've actually done that several times in the past. But first of all, it's been several years since the last time, and second of all, some things have changed, so we're doing it again, and we will talk about everything involved in creating the show, from picking a topic and a guest to recording it and hosting the podcast and everything else we do. But first, for our tip of the week. This week's tip is, if there's something big you want to learn to do, work on learning it a little bit at a time. And we have certainly had to learn a lot to make the current Eyes on Success experience possible. We were certainly not trained as audio production people, so there certainly was a lot to learn. And we made our mistakes at first, but we learned from our mistakes. We listened to the experts. We listened to lots of radio shows and podcasts with an ear towards how are they making this sound good? And we slowly integrated some of those techniques into what we do. We don't think we're as good as Terry Gross yet, but we keep trying. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 We're going to start this episode by talking about the preliminaries of setting up an episode of Eyes on Success. And the first thing we need is an idea for each show. And some of those come from you, and we are grateful for all of those suggestions. So keep them coming. Fortunately, Nancy enjoys working with Excel, so we're always making lists of possible ideas, maybe things that we don't want to do now, but we'll do when time permits or somewhat down the road, and we'll prioritize our list and choose the correct timing and then try to get people to interview about those topics. Because we figured out early on that we're not knowledgeable about absolutely everything, but there is somebody out there who's knowledgeable about each topic we want to talk about. So we just go about finding that person. We learn about the topic enough to ask what we hope sound like intelligent questions. We learn about the person. We ask them to be on the show. And these days, most of the time, they agree straight away. It's terrific. And then we've, we're all set. We get to do the interview. And it's actually a lot easier to find people to interview these days because now that the show has been around for a while, it's a lot more popular, a lot more people know about us, and people will often contact us to say, hey, can I be on your show? Or, hey, here's a person I think ought to be on your show. It's also a little bit easier to crack through the PR people that are protecting the people we want to interview. When the show first started, 
they would just write us off and sometimes not even write back. But nowadays, most people know us, and it's relatively easy to get interviews. In fact, we're overwhelmed sometimes with ideas and people to interview. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. And we are very grateful to everybody who has sponsored episodes of Eyes on Success so far. And it's gotten to be quite a list. So we would like to express our gratitude to AceSite, Ira, the Connect Center, now at APH, Proudviz, Envision, eSight, Guide Dogs for the Blind, Guide Dog Foundation, Hadley's New Venture Competition, the Intracortical Visual Prosthesis Project, Logan Tech, Mystic Access, Navi Lens, and Way Around. And these relationships are very symbiotic. Not only are they supporting the show, but we hope that we are supporting their efforts to make people more aware of the valuable resources and services that many of them offer to our listeners. And, you know, it's not like we advertise toothpaste. We really try to focus on agencies and organizations that are useful to the people who are listening to this show. So we thank them all again. This week's focus topic is how we actually create the show. So where do you want to start? Well, once we've identified somebody to interview, we have to actually interview them. And usually we use Zoom. That's been really a comfortable environment for people, especially now that everybody had to get used to it during the pandemic. But sometimes we'll talk to somebody who, for one reason or another, needs to use a telephone, and then we'll use Google Voice at our end. The other advantage of both of those services is, although we record the interviews directly on our PC, which we'll talk about in just a bit, all of those services offer a mechanism for making a backup copy of what you record. And although it doesn't happen frequently, in fact, we've only had it happen a handful of times over the years, occasionally we have to rely on one of those backups. Things do go wrong. So once we make the connection with people, we spend a few minutes chatting about whatever, but also about how the interview is going to proceed. We put them at their ease and all of this back and forth. And the whole time we're doing a sound check. They may not know that because if they sound okay, we don't bother telling them that we just did a sound check. But sometimes they don't sound okay. And we've had people make all sorts of adjustments to their positioning. We've even had to have people change their equipment. We have a good example of that. That happened once before where we actually made a recording of a person with two different setups. And gave them the feedback. And here's what it was. So here's how we recorded the episode. Thank you so much. And actually, thank you for telling me that, that the audio is better with my earbuds. And the reason we made her switch her equipment was that this is how she sounded when we first started chatting. Yeah, no one ever told me it was echoey without the earbuds. And it's amazing that no one ever gave her that feedback. But interestingly, people who are being interviewed like that, they often don't hear 
the A-B comparison of the various sound systems and various positions. So we actually spend a little time helping people to make that work so they do sound their best when they're actually on the show. So this is one of the things that's changed since the last time we did a show like this. Now we record the interview using Reaper, which is a very powerful digital audio workstation. And in particular, there's a group of visually impaired users called Reapers Without Peepers that Pete's found very helpful for learning how to use it. And we did an episode of Eyes on Success about Reaper. If people want to know exactly how accessible it is and how to get in touch with the community of visually impaired users using Reaper. But anyway, I find it very useful. Sometimes people like to know what kind of equipment we use. And most of our interviews, as we said, we do using Zoom or Google Voice. And that means we're at home in front of Pete's computer, where we use two Shure SM58 microphones and two headphones and plug it all into our Sapphire mixer. But sometimes we actually do interviews, what we call on location, where we go to visit somebody somewhere that's not our house. And for that, we bring our Tascam DR44WL digital audio recorder. We don't usually want to give out all those details to people because they're not interested, but some people are interested in the details. What we actually do is use two sound cards. We have Zoom or Google coming in through the PC sound card, and we route that to one of the inputs of our Sapphire. And then Nancy and I each have a microphone, so there's actually three channels of audio we're recording, one from the computer, i.e. the Zoom or Google side of the conversation, the person we're interviewing, and then one channel for each of us. That way we can keep everything separate. So if someone speaks while someone else is speaking, we can mute that person and the audio sounds a little bit cleaner. Then we get to process the interview, which requires several cycles back and forth and back and forth. So Pete breaks it up into questions and answers and does some initial processing, and then he sends the file to me, and I do some fine-tuning. And Pete uses Reaper, and I'm still using Audacity, but he's trying his hardest to convince me to switch to Reaper, and I might. Maybe by the next time we do one of these shows, we'll both be using Reaper. But for now, he's using Reaper and I'm using Audacity. And between us, it seems to come out pretty good. But it's a very iterative process. So as Nancy said, we'll record the interview on the three channels. I'll break it up into Q&As. I'll send her chunks of audio. She does a little bit more fine editing of some of the segments. And then we bring it all back together to record what we consider to be the final episode. And so what happens there is we'll start by talking and then we'll insert some clips that we edited down before, or sometimes we'll record those clips right into the audio and comment on some of the clips. And this makes the recorded episode, which is pretty close to what will wind up in the final episode. And we do that using all of the same equipment as we did when we record an interview from the house. And then we have to process the recorded show. And this is more back and forth and back and forth. And I do most of the editing of that. But sometimes when I'm done, it comes out too long. 
we take very seriously getting this show under 29 minutes because although many people listen to it as a podcast, many other people listen to it on a radio reading service and they operate in half hour segments and they need time for station identification and the weather and whatever else they need to do. So sometimes we'll spend 10 or 20 minutes getting rid of the excess minute or two to make sure that it fits into the allotted time. And, you know, frankly, it always comes out better. And I think that constraint has actually made the show be of a higher quality because we take out a lot of excess, a lot of content that doesn't absolutely need to be there. It'd be very easy to make this podcast or radio program be 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it comes out to be after the interview, because sometimes we will interview people for an hour. But once you take out all the information and speech that isn't really relevant or important, it really gets it down to a show that just has important contact. In fact, we have heard from several listeners that as many visually impaired people do, they speed up everything they listen to. They say, but we can't speed you up because we have to listen to you at normal speed because otherwise we'll miss some of the information. And as Pete keeps telling me, the English language is very redundant. We'll say a sentence and most of the content is there before you get to the second half. But we take out all the junk. And so people feel like they actually have to pay more attention and listen more slowly. So the lesson is that sometimes constraints can be a good thing. It certainly makes it a lot more work. We spend hours and hours on this per week, but we hope that you agree with us that the product comes out to be a pretty good product in the end. So finally, the show is all done and put together, and it's 29 minutes, and we're finished, right? Oh, yeah. We are so finished. Well, wrong. The next part is to take the show and actually get it to our listeners, because after all, that's the important part. We actually do this from a web hosting service where we put up our web pages and we upload every show to the website and we write our own HTML because first of all, that way I can do it. I don't have to be able to see these tools that are graphically oriented and all. So it's a lot easier for me to write it in HTML and Nancy does some of that too. And also that way we can ensure that our website is accessible. So on our website, as I said, we upload all the shows, and the way we distribute them is through a WordPress installation on our own website. And that way we can post each show and have a little blurb along with each show, and it's very easy to manage. And on that WordPress installation, which is basically the podcast, one of our low vision listeners convinced me several years ago that I should add an illustrative photograph or other graphic image to each episode because although Pete's totally blind, there are degrees of blindness and many of our listeners do have some vision and she convinced us that people who have some vision, even if it's not full acuity, like to see images. So every show gets an image to go with it that 
is somehow descriptive of the content. And then we use that same image on Facebook and on Twitter. And we also use that image to create a sort of a video from the audio. So that image is all you'll see on the video that we upload to YouTube. But some people like to listen to audio on YouTube because, again, if they have some vision and maybe a hearing problem, you can get closed captioning very easily on a YouTube video. So we show that same image and the same audio that's in the audio program. And we appreciate suggestions and comments like that from our listeners that help us make the show more interesting and more amenable to their particular needs. So keep those suggestions and comments coming. So our main website, which we tell you about every week, is www.eyesonsuccess.net. And on the homepage, there's a link to the archive of every show that we've done in the last 11 years. And about how many is that? That would be um, 570-something, because there's leap years, so I'm not just being vague, but that's a lot of shows. And so Pete created a search tool, because if you want to find a particular show, you don't want to scroll through 570-some-odd titles. So how does that work? Well, again, I'm a kind of a geek and I enjoy programming, so I wrote the search tool in PHP. And the way the search tool works is if you just put in a topic or a keyword or even a show number, you ought to be able to find shows of interest. And that's exactly what happens. So if you put in, for example, science, you'll find shows where we talked about science and you'll get a link to the show, the show notes and a little summary of what that show is about which I use all the time. So we were just interviewing somebody who had been on the show before, and during our sound check slash chit-chat at the beginning, he says, geez, how long ago was that? So I typed his name into the search tool and came up with the answer, which was three and a half years. And we hope that's useful for people, because as I said, it's you don't want to search that all by hand, but we've done shows on many, many topics books, reading, athletes, sewing, science, mathematics, all kinds of stuff, new technologies, new research. And so it makes it very easy to find episodes of interest. And if you want to have some special fun, there are two keywords that we put in, particularly for your benefit and for ours. And one keyword we put in is pioneer. And We've done shows with many of the leading people in the field of access technology. You know, we talked to Ted Henter and Dean Blasey and lots and lots of people like that. And so if you put in Pioneer, you'll get all of those shows. And the other one that we put in for your benefit and for ours is EOS underscore show. And if you enter that into the search tool, You'll get all the shows we did where we talked about the show. And you, most of those are the year-end special, but there were a few that we did 
not at the end of the year. And so you'll get all of those if you use that keyword. Now, I also mentioned that when you do one of these searches, you'll get a link to not only the audio for the episode, but the show notes. And so we should talk a little bit about the show notes. Tell our listeners what that contains. Oh, the show notes are great. So we don't expect people to sit down and take notes while you're listening to the show. And not infrequently, we have a fair amount of contact information that can go by kind of quick. But you can always go to the show notes for each episode, and we'll have all of that contact information listed in the show notes, and they are there in perpetuity. So any show you look for, you'll find the show notes, and it's got all that information. And that will include email addresses, generally social media, web pages or blogs that people have, and also additional resources and useful information that is related to the topic of the show. So if we're interviewing somebody who's involved in a particular sport or maybe some hobby or pastime, we'll ask them for contact information for the host organization, you know, we'll get contact information for them if you have questions for them. And everybody's been very generous and provided contact information for themselves. But we'll also get information for some umbrella organization where you can get more information about the topic in general, not just from this one person's perspective. So we encourage our listeners to also make use of those show notes because we put a bunch of time into it and we hope it's a valuable resource for you. And that's the show. We get a little less than half an hour, not quite 29 minutes for our friends at the Radio Reading Services and show notes. And there's the finished product for the week. But wait, there's more right after the break. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how we get each episode of Eyes on Success to you, the listeners. Because if we create it and we don't tell you how to get it, it didn't do us any good to create it. So tell our listeners where they can find the show. The number of listeners keeps growing. At this point, we've had listeners in all 50 states plus over 100 other countries and have been averaging over 13,000 downloads a month from our website. And that number tends to grow every year. So it's been very gratifying seeing those numbers grow. And if you're looking for the show, not only can you find it in our website or from some of the search tools, but it's also available as a podcast wherever you get your podcast or through many radio reading services throughout the U.S., and also a bunch of internet streaming services. So it shouldn't be hard to find Eyes on Success. These days, you can ask your favorite smart speaker to play the show by just saying, play the Eyes on Success podcast. And we recently also started uploading the show to YouTube. So for those of you that are into YouTube, you can also go there to find the show. And every week, for those who are interested, we send out a mail note to our announcements-only user group on Google Groups. So that's a convenient way to get a link directly to the audio in your inbox every week. 
Pete posts it to various blindness DLs that he's a member of. I post it to Facebook and Twitter, so you can find the direct links there. And I don't know, is there anywhere else? (laughs) Well, I guess that's about it. You can easily find it, though. You do a web search for Eyes on Success, and you'll find it all over the place. But Nancy mentioned our announcements email. And if people are interested in getting a weekly announcement in a low traffic list about what each show is going to be and a link to the audio and show notes and a summary for that episode, you can send an email to eyes on success plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. And we have another user group that's also a Google group where people can discuss what they've heard on the show or anything else reasonably relevant to what we talk about every week. And how do people get into that group? You send an email to EOS underscore discuss plus subscribe at googlegroups.com. And that way you can connect with other listeners, ask your questions about what you've heard about in the show, comment about what you've heard in the show. And that's kind of a fun group. That's also a fairly low traffic group. Every once in a while, we'll do a show on a topic and people will get interested and there will be a little flurry of notes. But we can sometimes go months without anybody sending anything to that discussion group. And in case you didn't catch that in the audio, where can they go to find all that information? I remember that answer. Teacher, teacher, pick me. I was paying attention for once. Go to the show notes. We always repeat all of the contact information in the show notes. Anyway, we hope you've been enjoying the show as much as we've been enjoying doing the show for the past 11 years. And if you have questions for us or you want to suggest topics or have some comments, you can send us those emails by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. And we love hearing from our listeners. And if you wouldn't mind, after you ask your question or make your comment, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you found the show, how long you've been listening, maybe some interesting tidbits we might want to know about you. And be sure to share with a friend so even more people can enjoy Eyes on Success. Well, that's it for the calendar year 2021 and episode number 2153. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with Josh Mealy. Happens to be the subject of that story when the interviewee asked when the last time he was on the show. Josh Mealy was recently recognized with a MacArthur Fellowship which is commonly referred to as a genius award for the work he's done on access technology over the last 20 years. And we talked with him about some of the groundbreaking research that he's done, some of the projects he's been involved in that I'm sure many of you use on maybe even a daily basis, and some of the ideas he has for ongoing research and projects in the future, making use of this MacArthur Fellowship that he just was awarded. And for our listeners who bothered to listen all the way to the end, they might be curious why we number the show 2153 or have such strange numbers. Oh, yeah. It's because we started out 
airing the show on a radio reading service that's associated with the local NPR affiliate in Rochester, New York. And the shows on NPR all get numbered. The first two digits are the calendar year. So this year is 2021. So the first two digits are 21. And the last two digits is the number of the week in that year. And usually that goes from 01 up to 52. But this year we got lucky and we get all the way up to 53. Well, hopefully that explains that mystery. So next week's show will be 2201. See you then. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.